Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 818. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Yismach at Take10FortTorah.org. Today's 10, number 818, appropriate for the very final day of Hanukkah. I hope you enjoy. What I wanted to talk about today is no longer halacha of Hanukkah, but really the hashkafa of Hanukkah. What are we supposed to be taking away from this holiday? Of course, we know the rabbis created two different and distinct holidays. There were a lot of events, a lot of things occurred throughout Jewish history, but at two of them, people stopped and said, this is worth remembering. One of them, of course, is the story of Purim, and one of them is the story of Hanukkah. Both are really rabbinic holidays, human-created holidays, which were holidays created in Galut. They were created in exile. Even though the Second Temple stood during the time of the story of Hanukkah, it's still considered Galut Yavan. And I've always had a theory that these two holidays are actually very purposefully created. And what they're there for is to deal with something that Jews would always have a problem with in Galut. If you were asked, what are the two hardest parts about being a committed and practicing Jew nowadays? Like, what are the difficult things that we all struggle with equally every day? So I think the answers that we would give is, number one, assimilation pressure. You know, it's hard to go out and not necessarily be able to eat everywhere and do everything else that everybody is doing to have restrictions on how we behave, right? The assimilation pressure to be like everybody else. And the other difficulty is theological. It's like, you know, where do, where is God? God doesn't give me a pat on the back when I put on tefillin or when I light Shabbos candles or when I make it through a successful Shabbat. You know, I don't get that immediate positive reinforcement. I don't feel necessarily that my tefillot are connecting immediately in the moment. I, I just, uh, I have to understand that, but I don't necessarily feel it. So if you take a look at these two ideas, number one, assimilation, and number two, belief, I believe that that's actually what the rabbis were trying to target in these two holidays. The holiday we'll start with Purim is, of course, about belief. It's about reading a Megillah, which has uh, a totally improbable course of events that has to occur in order for the Jews to have the outcome that they need. And yet, God's name is not mentioned even once. So, too, in our lives, in our gullet, in our exile, we constantly have events that affect the Jewish people that uh, the Jews encounter throughout and wherever they are, and yet we don't necessarily see where God's signature is involved. And it's our challenge to find God in that story the same way it was in the story of Esther. And so that holiday might be focused on the belief idea. Hanukkah, on the other hand, is very different. Of course, Hanukkah is about this assimilation pressure. In the Al-Hanisim, it talks about how the goal of the Greeks was Torah to make us forget the Torah. It was the only holiday that was not an existential crisis. Nobody wanted to kill us. There is really just a matter of taking away our religion. Now, the question really that I think we need to answer is what's worse? Uh, what's worse, to lose our religion, to lose our lives? I think Hanukkah challenges us to try to figure out how we answer that question. There's no question that today we're facing the same challenge as we did in the time of Purim vis-a-vis belief, and we're facing the same challenge as we did in the time of Hanukkah vis-a-vis assimilation. Someone just texted me a picture yesterday of a Sufganiyah, a jelly donut being sold in Starbucks. And so we're <laughs> being sold a what probably is a non-kosher jelly donut in Starbucks, which is, I mean, this mixture of what are we and who are we and how important are these things? Are they important simply culturally? Are they important religiously? And where do we stand on these very important issues? And what can we take away from the story of Hanukkah? 
We spoke some weeks ago about Avraham. You know, Avraham begins as the Ivri, the one who stands on the other side. He's confident in his beliefs. He believes differently than the rest of the world, and he creates a revolution. How do we get a little bit more Ivri in us? How do we do that? So there's a cute story. A little girl goes over to her grandmother and says to her grandmother, Grandma, are you Jewish? And the grandmother says, uh, why, yes, I am. And the little girl says, you know, Grandma, I am too, but don't tell Santa Claus. It's a sad little story, and I think it really does reflect a lot of what kids can somehow think nowadays. Like, you know, are we the also-ran? Is our holiday not as cool or not as interesting? What do we do to, to fight this? What do we do to combat this? So we know that there are two ways that we can possibly live in this world. You know, Ger v'toshav anochi imachem. Avraham talks about the two possibilities. I could be a Ger, I could be there as a sojourner, I could feel temporary, or I could feel very involved. I could feel like a Toshav. I could feel like I'm very assimilated. But that assimilation and that being allowed into society brings with it a lot of challenge. Anti-Semitism was generally the cure for assimilation. When Jews were persecuted, they were forced to live alone. They were forced to live distinct from the rest of the world. There was very little challenge. The rest of the world would come into the Jewish community and take the Jews away to their practices and beliefs. But when we have this enlightened world, and we are everywhere, particularly in the modern Orthodox community, how do we retain these ideas? So I think the lesson that we need to learn comes from Yosef. Yosef we're going to see in the Parsha Vayechi, he has these two sons, Menashe and Ephraim. So Menashe and Ephraim end up getting Shevet status. They end up being on the level of all of the other brothers of Yosef. Now, they're very different than the other brothers of Yosef, and as a matter of fact, when we bless our kids. If we have that custom, we say, Yisimcha Elohim Ke Ephraim We choose those two sons as the children who we want our kids to be like. And the question is why? One of the answers that's often given is because those two were so distinct. Not only were they generationally distinct, they were also distinct in that their upbringing was not at the feet of Yaakov and all of the Shvatim and all of the other brothers in this very, very religious and focused environment. They were the children of a man who lived a very unique and identifiably different life in Egypt. He didn't have the support system. He didn't have a strong community that surrounded him. He perhaps did not have that Jewish confidence. And he had to manufacture it. And he had to manufacture it for his children. So we, looking at our children, seeing our children as very similar to those of Yosef, bless our children that they should be like the children of Yosef who were in Egypt and, of course, survived. We know that Yaakov, before he goes to meet Esau, is there 14 years missing. And so Rashi tells us this idea that he learned at the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. Uh, for 14 years, he learned the Torah of Shem Ve'ever. And everybody wonders, what does he have to go and learn the Torah of Shem Ve'ever? He can learn the Torah of Yitzchak, right? He was with Yitzchak for so many years. What does he keep needing to learn more for? So the answer that's classically given is that he has to go to the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever because the Torah of Shem Ve'ever has been integrated into the world. Shem Ve'ever were an island unto themselves in this pagan and non-monotheistic world. So Shem Ve'ever knew how to deal with whatever it was that was out there. They knew how to overcome those specific challenges. Learning at the feet of Yitzchak was more focused on inward growth and perhaps would not have prepared Yaakov in the right way to go out to the world, to go out to love and to encounter Esav, to remain as a confident Jew. One of the decrees that the Greeks made against the Jews, of course, was to this end. It says famously that there were three ideas, circumcision, Rosh Chodesh, 
and Shabbat. Circumcision identifies and makes the Jew distinct. Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat. Similarly, Rosh Chodesh is what our whole calendar is based on. We celebrate holidays differently than the rest of the world do. And therefore, Rosh Chodesh is how we do that, and it makes us distinct. Part of the Greek effort was to erase that distinction so Rosh Chodesh had to go. Shabbat as well makes us very different and distinct. We Our entire week is focused towards a different end, towards a different goal. And that's why Chazal referred to Yavan as Choshech. The Gullus of Yavan, the exile of Yavan, was compared to darkness because it's that darkness the ability to distinguish, the ability to see the difference between the Jew and the non-Jew is what the Jews lost the ability to have, and they were lost in the dark groping around. So what's the answer? I think the solution to all this is really very simple and very apparent in the story of Hanukkah, and I think that's why the rabbis wanted us to take from the story of Hanukkah, and that is the Kohanim were the victors. The Chashmonayim were Kohanim. They were the learners. They were the educators. They were inspirers of others. And in order to be able to do that, you need to know something. And in order to be able to inspire others, you need to teach and you need to be able to understand. And you can't express it to others without really having a grasp of it yourself. And so when we're challenged with this challenge, you know, your money or your life, your Judaism or your life, are we really prepared to answer that question? Do we really know what we're giving up? What to us is more important? Do we know enough to know why this practice is important or that practice is important? Do we understand where to position them in the hierarchy of of what's significant in our lives? And I think that level of education is what's most critical. Every survey has shown this. The more Jewish education a child gets, the more either it's a one-day program or a -a two-day-a-week program or or a full-week program, you always will have lower intermarriage rates. You'll always have better results and better outcome. So I believe the lesson of Hanukkah, the thing that the rabbis wanted us to walk away with from this holiday, you can't fight back against the forces of assimilation. You can do it. And the secret really is to be like the Kohanim, to be confident Jews. The way to become a confident Jew, to stand behind your practice, and to make sure that you're able to justify to yourself, if not to others, why you do what you do and why it's important. It's why it's way too critical to give up just because most of the world doesn't do the same. It's to be educated. It's to be like those passionate, fervent Kohanim. Kohanim is him. They always had an excitement and an enthusiasm about Jewish practice. The best answer to that threat is in the name Hanukkah itself, Chinuch and Education. Have a great day.